What's up, guys? Four Corners here. I am one of your hosts, Ray. You can find me on Twitter at Solar Rays. I am joined, as always, uh, Peter Bucket since '88. How have you been? Been good. You know, it, it's always a relief when the trade deadline is over, as long as your team doesn't do anything stupid, right? Is it? Are you? Are you? Are you excited? Oh Are yeah, you? well, I mean, I'm a sentimental guy. I'm a I'm a loyal guy, so I'm glad that like the long tenured Nuggets, like Will and Monte, are still everybody. Here, you know? Everybody stays. You're like, yes, yeah, I'm the cool band is this. still together. That's fair. That's fair. It's like it's not bad. It's definitely not actively bad. I, I can definitely agree with that. Uh, and, and for more context, like I don't play 2K. I'm not one of these people that likes to make a move just to make a move. Not a trade machine guy. No. That's that's fair. That's fair. Uh, Jared, Mr. I am not on Twitter because I'm a smart human being. How are you doing? I mean, I feel like that's pretty generous to call me smart, but thank you. I'll take it. I mean, well, I feel like anyone, uh, you're right in line with, uh, seemingly most of Europe as far as not being excited about being on uh, social media. So I'm going to give you that credit. Yeah, there we go. I'll take, okay, I'll take what so, I can get. Tuesday, February 10th, as a recording, the trade deadline has passed. Uh, we basically have more or less the teams locked in going forward for the rest of the season. And we kind of want to jump into the trades that have or haven't happened. Uh, first and foremost, well, we're a Nuggets-based podcast where we're talking about the Nuggets. As we kind of alluded to earlier, uh, we're standing pat in, in the way that, you know, as much as there have been rumors about certain players being traded, Bob Campazzo, uh, Jamichael Green, uh, even some, you know, discussions, whisperings, not confirmed, of course, but just definitely fans, uh, always fans, eager to, you know, put guys like Monte Morris, Will Barton, Jeff Green also in, in trade deals. Trade machine guys, you know, as, as we've said. Not having made any moves, I, I find that some people are a little bit disappointed. And I, I might find myself a little bit more in that camp in the sense that I was hoping that they would get a little bit better today uh, in terms of we feel like we have a shot. If, if, if I'm the Nuggets, we feel like we have a shot. We feel like we can compete uh, for a title this year. I'd love to see the team, you know, just cover up for their weaknesses a little bit more. And I'm not sure that they've done that yet. But we do still have the buyout market. There are a few, you know, silver lining opportunities that they might have to sort of remedy those things. Uh, Peter, how satisfied with the... Uh, moves that the Nuggets did not make, are you? Uh, I'm I'm totally fine with it. Uh, I think the team has started to find itself recently and kind of get a little bit better at defining their roles. And, uh, you know, I think if there was a deal out there to make the Nuggets better, I think they would have made it. But at the same time, we also heard Michael Malone say, we're only going to make a move that's going to make us better for the future, right? That's essentially what he said. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I actually with the future in mind. 
Right. I really like that they did not make any short-sighted moves here where they trade like their only future first asset for like a guy that's on an expiring. And, mm-hmm. you know, if if I had to give the Nuggets a grade, it would clearly be an incomplete right now because we don't know what's going to happen with the buyout market. Uh, they signed Boogie Cousins to another 10-day contract to see how that goes. And then after that, a lot of more things will play out. So... You know, I think this is one of those situations where even though the NBA doesn't allow tampering, we all know that agents talk to each other and the Nuggets probably have a pretty good idea of who's going to be available and who might want to come. So we'll definitely have to revisit how the team looks just for this year, next podcast. But as of right now, I'm I'm kind of understanding them not going all in because there's just too many questions about the health of Michael Porter Jr. and Jamal Murray. That this year, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not going to say it's a lost season or that it's a wash yet, but I also think it's smart to save your assets and maybe load up next year. That's fair. Uh, sure, I'll kind of throw this to you. Were you anticipating a move? Were you sort of looking for them to uh, sort of shake something up or make something happen? Or, or were you uh, expecting more of the same as far as, you know, standing pad and, and kind of uh, letting the group that is on the roster just gel and, and see, you know, Bones Highland, Zeke Naji, they've played better the last couple of weeks. Jamichael Green even also, uh, I think, has had a good, you know, few stints here and there. Uh, were you kind of anticipating anything changing? Um, so the general kind of rumor mill made it start to sound like we might have seen like a Bryn Forbes size trade or something small else. So I, I wouldn't have been surprised if we saw something like that. But whenever the expectation is something that small, you can't really be surprised if nothing happens either. Um, mm-hmm. And I just, so I guess I'm kind of like, from a Nuggets perspective, pretty neutral about it. I I thought, I, I, I'm kind of in the same boat as Peter. If there was an obvious trade to make, I, I trust the Nuggets enough to have made that trade. And And it's not a great gauge, but there also wasn't, a clear cut trade where I was like, Oh, why didn't the nuggets get on that today? Again, obviously that's not a perfect way to gauge it, but it's what fans do. (laughs) That is what fans do. That is why we're here. (laughs) Uh, And I do think that, you know, looking at some of the weaknesses of the team that I was thinking about, you know, backup center in particular, uh, perimeter defense in particular, they are either a, Positions that I think a trade, you may not even find someone better than what we already have in DeMarcus Cousins. Or B, that there may be options out there in the future. um, That, you know, as much as the Nuggets have a lot of small, kind of undersized guards, they do have the option to move them, you know, or at least waive them if they do need to. Um, So I do think they still have those opportunities and and we'll see what happens as far as buyout candidates. And, and we'll definitely talk about that in the future. Um, yeah. So, so moving on the biggest trade of the day, the most anticipated trade of the year, probably Ben Simmons, James Harden, Paul Millsap. No, he, he's definitely in the trade, but the Millsap I don't trade. know if he's the biggest. Yes. The Millsap trade. I don't know if he's the biggest name in it, but he's, 
of all the characters, you know, uh, Seth Curry, Andre Drummond, I do feel like he's the most not talked about, but the one that I think about is like, oh, wow, I'm happy for him <laughs> that he finally uh, escaped, you know, a place of, uh, I don't want to say hell, but purgatory in in, uh, in Brooklyn. And, you know, and we hear Jeff Green talk a lot about it in Denver as seeing Denver as a place with a little bit more stability, seeing Denver as a place where it's a little bit less chaotic. I imagine a little Paul bit. has, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> Uh, I imagine Paul has experienced uh, maybe the same thing. And as much as I didn't necessarily want Paul starting on the Nuggets anymore, I do feel like maybe uh, Philly is a place where he can find some footing and be a contributor, uh, not only for a contending team, but also in a place that is a little bit less toxic for him. And I know that that's saying a lot coming from Philadelphia, um, but um, you know, he of course he's not the only person on trade. Seth Curry, Andre Drummond, Ben Simmons. Peter, I'll start with you. Who do you feel like won this trade? I think it's clear win for the Nets. I mean, you've got two generational offensive players in Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, and Kevin Durant's gotten a lot better at defense too. I don't want to act like he's a one-way player, but. You know, mm -hmm. when they added Harden, the team was incredible when those three guys played. The thing is, those three right. guys never played together, right? They played 16 games. Um, and I guess, to be honest, like, most of that was not James Harden's fault. You know, Kyrie didn't get vaccinated, and Durant's been in and out with injuries. Um, mm -hmm. But they were never a juggernaut defensively. They were always just sort of, like, good enough. They, they were better in the playoffs last year than expected. But they weren't really stopping people. It was kind of like a your turn, my Let's turn. Let's put up one fifty yeah, I mean, a game. Yeah, that Buck series was incredible, but they weren't stopping the Bucks at all, right? I mean, it was eye for eye basically. And right. uh, now you add arguably the best perimeter defender in the NBA in Ben Simmons, and he can guard power forwards and you know a few centers here and there. I mean, that just to me that unlocks their team. So I think you know. He, the Sixers and Daryl Morey are going to spin this as, look, we got the best player in the deal. We got James Harden. Like, we weren't going to get anything better than this for Ben Simmons. They definitely got better. But to me, you just helped the, your biggest threat get even better. Uh, so the big loser here to me is the Milwaukee Bucks because two of their rivals got better. But I think the clear winner is the Nets. Yeah, that's fair. And I'd probably agree along those lines where I do kind of commend uh, Daryl Morey for being patient enough where I think a lot of fans um, were basically ripping him online and kind of pressuring him. Um, people sliding into his DM saying, Hey, Hey man, you got to get this going. You're, you're wasting my man's prime and uh, my man, not my man, but his man's prime in terms of uh, Joel Embiid's where, you know, it did, you did have that concern, or at least I did, you know, it started to creep in. Uh, but lo and behold, a few months later, a disgruntled star becomes available. And uh, I don't think there was a single player in the league who you'd have gotten for in trades with Ben Simmons, who was better than James Harden. That That's undeniable. 
Um, I do feel like the Seth Curry addition might be more meaningful, uh, I think, for both teams than one might realize, where they the Nets do kind of uh, pick up another ancillary score as well, but the Sixers also... I think one of the questions that I have in terms of that fit together between James Harden and uh, Joel Embiid, a lot of how Daryl Morey's teams have been built, you know, were James Harden first, or at least when he had James Harden. It was, I have James Harden and a bunch of other guys who sort of enhance what he does, who hints that, enhance what he does. And, um, anyone else can sort of fall in line. But um, what I wonder now is they have two stars who arguably are on a similar level, but Joel Embiid clearly being sort of the MVP candidate at this point and really the focal point of this team. It is, you know, the Philadelphia 76ers are his team. And so what I wonder is, do they still have, A, the ancillary pieces to sort of optimize those two? And can they be you know can they come together in a way that's synergistic enough to still be obviously you won't get a hundred percent out of both of them you know you don't get the what you what, what they are in a vacuum you put them together and you automatically get that but can you get enough especially early on i think there's that risk where they might struggle uh can you get enough to still be contenders or you know, do they slide back a little bit, even if it's just temporary? Do they slide back from being a top seed to maybe the four or five? Um, Jared, I'll, I'll kind of throw it to you. Do you have a lot of faith in in their dynamic together? I mean, you know, both kind of big personality guys, um, obviously significantly talented guys. But yeah, that that's my question. Is like, do you think the synergy is there? Yeah, I feel like that's. A tough question, but also not, because I feel like if, if they get the James Harden that first came to Brooklyn, it'll be a pretty seamless fit because he was more than willing to play play more traditional point and feed feed the team. And mm-hmm. he was kind of still getting his triple-double-esque numbers, but it was more like 14 points and 10 and 10 or what whatnot instead of right 30 point triple 30 doubles. and 10 and 12 or, you know, whatever it may be. But... And then, and then the second question off of that is, was this year in Brooklyn kind of how he is now? How long was he anticipating this trade for? Are the hamstrings a concern going? I, there's some questions as to whether he can reach the, the level he needs to to, mm-hmm. to have that full synergy with Embiid. Because I do think if, if he's limited at all, he's just going to default to, well, I'm going to be James Harden. Because because that's a natural state for not just him but most people, yeah. So i I think it, I definitely think it's possible. It it could it, you're right. It could be tough to to reach that even this season. Which then it's kind of well, you still kind of punt it on a <laughs> potentially. I don't I don't think that's likely. I mean, but, you shot your shot, you know. Right, right. You went for it. Yeah, uh, Peter. I'm curious about what you think about this. Do you think having being under Daryl Morey, even if it's not, um, even if it's not as, uh, even if it's not in the same place, do you think it makes James a little bit more comfortable 
to kind of go back to his old ways, so to speak, for better or for worse? Um, I'm not really sure because I don't think that James didn't get enough touches in Brooklyn. They essentially made him the point guard, you know, once he got there, they were like, is it going to be him or Kyrie? James basically was the better point guard. He just took less shots. So I think he actually proved that he can take his ego out of it, but it is going to be a fascinating basketball fit because he's never played with somebody like Embiid. Now I'm in the camp of like, anytime you have two great players, they can usually figure it out. And that's kind of what Daryl Morey is betting on. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. But I do, because what's going to be interesting to me is like, you know, the last time Joel Embiid played with a a ball dominant guard slash wing who actually could shoot was Jimmy Butler. And that team was really good. The big difference to me is Jimmy Butler is an all-star caliber defensive player. Uh, James Harden is not. So is James Harden going to come in from day one and buy in on defense? I think he's going to try to, but we also know that the Philadelphia fan base is not very forgiving. And if we look at Ben Simmons history, yeah, the guy's got issues. He maybe is afraid to shoot, made some strange decisions, but he always played hard and he always played defense. If Harden's having an off shooting night and then is getting blown by or not hustling on plays, all it's going to take is like one not hustle play, and the Philly fans are going to be all over his ass because they those guys love Embiid. So if things aren't going well in Philly, somebody's going to have to be the scapegoat. And the mm-hmm. other fit that I'm really fascinated to see here is the Nets wanted Seth Curry back in this deal, and they got him. That's a big loss for right. Philly. He was their best floor spacer. Now Harden's a good shooter, so he can replace that. But this is going to move Tyrese Maxey off the ball. He's been a really nice emerging player for them. Now we're going to see what does he play like off the ball. I'm not saying he can't. I like his game, but I do think there's going to be a definite adjustment period there of of role. Yeah, of like, it's a, it's, a, it's a new role for a young player that just started getting comfortable in the role he was in. That's a, yeah, I, I thought about that a lot today too with Tyrese Maxey. Because mm-hmm. we've seen how different Bones Highland plays when he has the ball versus when he the two guard, right? Um, right? Same with Jamal Murray, even. I mean, I think yeah, Jamal is a lot more better as a scorer when you have Monte out there with him. So and he doesn't have to focus on you know being a playmaker. It's it's game managing guy. It's different from each guy. There's definitely going to be some growing pains, but I'm just going to be interested to see like. What is that personality fit like with Harden and with Embiid? Because I don't think Embiid's really a guy that that goes out and like parties and stuff, right? I mean, he trolls people, but he's you know, no. if James shows up hungover and can't play defense one night, is he'll is call Embiid, you out on Twitter. <laughs> Embiid isn't the type of guy to hold back; like he will call you out. He'll, so he'll start retweeting yeah. all the club photos. I don't. Right. I actually don't know how it's going to fit personality-wise. Yeah, I, I think that's like one of the big questions for me as well is where I know they're coming from a place of a lot of volatility in Brooklyn. Um, and I think I think Philadelphia, it's a little bit less volatile. And I do think that Joel has been a bit better about that this year in terms of, of being a little bit more of a leader. Maybe he 
kind of learn some of his lessons. He's been a little bit more mature in how he's spoken in interviews about, you know, about Ben and about the team and about what may or may not happen. Um, but I do think when you combine, you know, two big, strong personalities, I'm not going to say that James is like a huge um, ego guy necessarily, but I do think he has a strong personality combined with it being in the venue of Philadelphia, where there is all of this unflexibility uh, well, from well, the like environment. Peter said, they're not turning on Embiid. Right, they're not turning on Embiid. <laughs> at least not, at least not for like a year and a half. They'll turn right. on anybody, I think have, but Embiid's got a little bit time. of time. They have time. Um, so yeah, that that's definitely going to be my question going forward, and it'll be interesting to see. Um, kind of want to slide to the sort of uh, next biggest trade in in my mind as a Nuggets fan, and um, I would say that's Portland. You know, the Nuggets arch rival trading C.J. McCollum to the New Orleans Pelicans. Peter, you're a New Orleans native. Uh, I was kind of curious about what your immediate thoughts were on this. As uh, do, do you feel like this is a good move for New Orleans? Do you feel like this is a, a mistake for Portland? How, can, where I do you ask a, can I ask one question before? Sure. Yeah, Did ticket ahead. prices go up or down in Smoothie King? <laughs> Already. Oh, I, I, I haven't left, but they probably didn't budge. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm more of a New Orleans transplant, but uh, yeah, I live here now. <laughs> and uh, I, I like the move for the Pelicans, I mean, just in terms of pure talent. But mm-hmm. it sucks that they had to give up Josh Hart because he was arguably their second-best defender behind Herb Jones. So, I don't know. The the Pelicans, the Pelicans are just playing a different game than everybody else, right? It's like if you follow the NBA, you don't think about them first, second, or third. Like, they're not a threat to win the title now, but they're a pretty bad franchise historically. Um mm-hmm. I think they've won one playoff series beat the blazers so that was cool they did beat uh, the blazers <laughs> um, shout out to them for the, that the the drew holiday anthony davis Pelicans, yeah. but uh you know i i i gotta say like you know through all my years watching basketball i've definitely kind of gone to the like the the stat corner of like oh i'm big on analytics and you know i appreciate teams that do what's smart but a big part of me still also really appreciates the old school mentality of just like, let's go for it. If we can make our team four to five wins better, why not? Give our fans something to cheer about. You know, we haven't been in the playoffs in a while. Let's let's see if we can make this team better. And then hopefully Zion will want to stay, you know? And that's like, let's be real. As good as CJ McCollum is, like he's a good player. He, he's definitely an above average NBA player. The big question with this team is still when, are, when does Zion come back? Because... Brandon Ingram has turned himself into a very nice NBA player. I mean, mm-hmm. I think the stat was they're 500 when he plays. They're like 2-12 and 12 when he doesn't play or something. So Brandon Ingram's like, I, I feel pretty confident in saying now he's a winning basketball player. Um, I guess a critic might point out that 500 is not winning, but <laughs> if you look uh, at no, the Pelicans. I would, I would agree. I, close enough. I yeah. think he's for, come for a long Orleans, way. It's close. If you look at the Pelicans yeah. roster, like the fact that they're 500 when he plays, that that's a testament to how good he is. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, adding CJ gives them a little more punch. Uh, they have Devonta Graham, which is another good shooter, but they don't have – they don't really scare you when Zion's not in there. Now, when Zion's there, that team's going to be fun and they're going to be hard to guard. So they're still about – I think they're in the 10 seed right now. So 
I guess they control their own destiny, so to speak, on getting into the plane. Um, and right. if they can get healthy and they get Zion back, you know, who knows? Maybe they could give somebody a scare. Maybe they could win a playing game. And, uh, you know, who knows how those matchups go? Because I don't think there's a player on this planet that can guard Zion Williamson, but we haven't just haven't seen him on the basketball court. Yeah, I think that's interesting as far as like, you know, even this year aside, because I think it'll be hard for him to come back and be his best self in terms of Zion, I'm spot on talking about. Uh, I'm curious, do you think that, you know, we, we've talked a lot about sort of big threes in the NBA and how they've um, kind of become the dominating factor over the recent decade. Do you think that team, that core, you know, assuming Zion stays, that core can be truly competitive in the West? I'm talking next year, you know, assuming Zion has an offseason to sort of get his body right and healthy and functional. I mean, can they can be competitive? Sure. I just don't know if they have the depth. You know, it's it's going to be interesting to see. Like, I just want to see it first before I really answer. I mean, That's they, could, they could be a monster. I mean, JV's had a really good season for them. Um, yeah, I think they but, have a pretty good five-man unit, I'd have to but, argue. But, but it's theory. so strange because he's still – I don't know if he's going to be a good fit next to Zion because – he's still kind of a bit of a slower groundbound center. And we saw that didn't really work with Adams last year. So, you know, yeah. Jackson Hayes has had some nice moments this year. Maybe he's the future, but uh, it, it's just so hard. Like they're just such a mystery to, to me, Ray. I don't know how much of those guys will come back next year. I mean, I think Ingram, Zion and McCollum are all under contract next year, but you know, we'll see how this year plays out and then, Maybe they run it back. Maybe they they shake it up. But uh, I don't think you can say they're like top four caliber. No, because remember, the Nuggets and the Clippers are going to look way different next year. This is true. A lot of the Lakers will probably look different next year. The Lakers yeah. will probably look a lot different. Yeah. Um, but, I, but I do think they're kind of – I think it's possible that they can have a good – if they have a good finish to their season, you know, maybe that's not necessarily a deep playoff run or – Maybe it's not a playoff run at all, but as long as they finish with momentum, I could see them sort of uh, generating enough positive energy to kind of launch themselves into that conversation. Definitely. If that makes sense. Um, Jared, did you, uh, do you have strong feelings about this trade? Do you feel like Portland is going to be – actually, no, I'll, let me rephrase that. What do you think Portland is even doing right now? From your perspective, <laughs> oh, they're tossing out the season. I mean, they they did just beat the Lakers, but they're tossing out the season. I'd have to, yeah. I mean, I'd have to figure that. Out. <laughs> I don't, I don't know how much deeper to go into that. I need to, but I mean, I, Ray, I, I, I've, I I've actually got a big is, question for you about the Blazers. Sure. What What do you guys think of Anthony Simons? How do you view? That's him what I was gonna going to ask too. Forward? What do you do with Anthony Simons? Because are you just going to do Damon CJ two Kind of, yeah. I mean, I think so. I, I kind of see it all, a lot. You kind of had a lot of a glut of the same sort of player. And what I like about this trading CJ is that at the very least, um, A, you know, the moves they made, I think they have the ability to create cap space where Damian Lillard is one of those players who 
for better or for worse, he has cachet. He has respect. Uh, I think a lot of NBA players see him as um, an honorable guy. And I think, you know, going into next year, maybe they can sort of pull uh, the next disgruntled free agent star toward towards that team. And having, at the very least, Anthony Sinens is a guy who, with Dame out, you can play him a lot. You can, at the very least, up his value. Maybe it's not something you want to keep long-term, but I do think, you know, Anthony is benefited by the improved opportunities that he's going to have in the future. And, you know, they, they've got a lot of young guys on that roster who do have, you know, more of an opportunity going forward. So I'm, at the very least, I'm glad they picked the direction. You know, for a long time, I felt like they have been... I don't want to say fooling themselves, but telling themselves that, hey, if we just keep it together, you know, maybe we can be that team that catches lightning in a bottle and takes the seventh seed all the way to the finals. But I just haven't had a lot of faith in that. Um, I actually think Amsterdam Simons is the only young player on their roster that I'm vaguely intrigued by to get opportunity and, and develop now that Nasir Little is out for the season. I was about to say, not a high level guy, huh? Yeah, so I was like, uh, I don't know if they have a whole ton of. Youth. Not a ton. They, they've um, they picked, but up. it was. You're right. It was overdue. You are. You are still definitely yeah. correct. It was overdue. Um, I'm not sure if this is going out a lot. Sure, I'm not sure. If, I'm not sure if this is going on a limb here, but I'm not really super high on six six power forwards either. Uh, neither am I. I think that's a fair point. <laughs> That said, uh, I don't think they'll win a lot of games, and that kind of puts them in a position to maybe get, you know, one of the top picks in the draft. I think if you can do that and and you have Anthony Simons, maybe you can kind of work something out and, and maybe you have a shot at, yeah, between free agency and a trade and this new flexibility, you can do something, you know. Well, I, I, don't, I don't think they're luring anyone to sign to Portland. But having that open space means you you can and if you do get a high pick, you can package Anthony Simons and that pick. It could be a sign and trade. bring back more salary potentially. That's definitely yeah, I, an option. And and I think of a guy um, like like I said, I, not, I still don't think that person's signing in Portland. But if they mm-hmm. get traded there, that's where Dame's cachet can kind of pay off to say, "Hey, give this a shot." Maybe you're Bradley Beal. And you want the supermax, and you want to you want to resign in you want to resign in Washington. That's cool. I understand. You want your money, go get it. Uh, but maybe you don't want to stick it out in Washington. And he requests a trade afterwards, and you know now you've got a top pick, and now you've got you know a up and coming young player. Um, I, I think it's exactly the kind of package that a team in that position might want. Right. It's it's dicey. It's a risk, but at some point you got. It's take- a risk. Yeah. But you know, outside of trading, outside of trading Damian Lillard, I don't know what else. You, what else can you do? I'm not sure. Right, right. I, I love it. I, I think the Blazers are screwed. Um, I think. Maybe, so. I think it so. could be a while. It could be a while. Yeah. May, yeah maybe, all this, all this be, talk is conjecture, but it, it could be a while. Maybe I'll eat my words. But one thing generous. we haven't even one thing we haven't even talked about is doesn't Dame want the extension? Like, would you give him that? It's the same this thing is with one Arden. of those things. You, it's yeah. really hard because the unlike the NFL, the NBA also doesn't really have 
something that I would love to see they add, but in a comp like a compensatory pick formula. Mm -hmm. uh, I know it'll be a little bit more compl compl complicated in a two round draft versus a seven round draft, but it's really damaging to teams in the NBA when you just let a guy walk for nothing. So you're kind of in a rock between a rock and a hard place, especially because from um, a from the perspective of how you're viewed around the league. I mean, I think Damian Lillard has been the most stand-up, loyal, honorable guy as far as stars being, you know, faithful to their franchise. Uh, and to say that, hey, yeah, actually, we don't want to pay you, I think that is also might be not the best look for them. Well, different caliber player, but that's what the Hornets did with Kemba, right? I yeah, agree. Pretty much. And, and yeah. to some extent, I kind of feel like there are definitely cases where NBA teams should think twice uh, about signing, you know, even high level players who are on the wrong side of 30 to long multi-year deals um, at, you know, 30, 35, $40 million a year. I think that's, there's some risk to it. Ask, ask the Lakers. Uh, so, I mean, I think that's going to be a challenge for them and, and maybe, Maybe I, it is. Maybe they also become one of those teams that is eager for a sign and trade, um, and and maybe Portland does become a little bit more like uh, a Thunder, or you know where they're. I hate I hate to say I hate to imply this. I hate to even put this energy out there, but the Lakers. You know, speaking of them, they didn't trade Russell Westbrook this season. Um, maybe they're a team that wants to move off of him on his contract and Portland gets to a point where they're no longer looking to contend and um, they and Dame wants to go somewhere winning and they've signed him to a huge deal and you still have LeBron in the final years of his you know career and and, and that sort of thing so I think I think if it's me I'll probably I'll probably give it to him I'll probably give it to him. Hmm. Whatever, whatever he needs to be paid. I mean, he's kind of earned it. I think and he's putting his too. body out. You probably there. wouldn't feel great about it. No, going it's forward, probably a mistake. But <laughs> I think I'm but, yeah. I, I mean, I'm biased because I, I just I'm not as high on Damon as everybody else. Like, it's a cool story. I think for that fan base, it, it would be cool to mm -hmm. see him and his career there for sure. But thinking mm -hmm. about it simply from like trying to win, I don't think it'd be a smart deal. It would actually no. kind of give me vibes of do you remember the deal the lakers gave kobe like at the end of his oh, yeah. career yes yep. it's exactly that kind of it deal exactly where it's like, like that it's a lifetime achievement deal yeah that was like um you know years later i actually kind of thought i actually kind of respected what Jeannie bus said she was basically like this was like a thank you contract and to prove to stars like we take care of our own so right and you're mean, the, if you're the lakers like if you're anthony right. davis that's a good look yeah, you can say that the, when be... you're the Lakers, like you have championship equity. If you're the Blazers, like just because you take care of Dame doesn't mean you're starting to get, start getting free agents all of a sudden. Right. Yeah, especially because, yeah, you don't have that championship history, no. pedigree. Yeah, you don't have those factors. Uh, all it takes um, is one bad, bad contract to cripple a franchise. Yeah, but also like where were they going? Where are they going? I don't know. No, you're right. 
You gotta you gotta sell tickets, right? You gotta have somebody that people want to go see. Right. Uh speaking of teams that I wonder where they're going, the uh Washington Wizards have <laughs> traded uh for Wizards. one Chris Epps Porzingis along with a future second you got round. The Maryland pick. hoodie on right now. Yes, I do. Uh I have many friends discussing this trade as we speak. Uh in exchange for Spencer Dinwiddie and Davis Pertons. This is a little bit more complicated for me. And and so I'm curious, Peter, who do you feel like won this trade? I know it's a little bit, it's too soon to say, but from just an outside perspective, you know, uh, two guys who maybe a little bit more overpaid than they're, you know, due for one guy who's very overpaid for what he might be able to do. Well, it's, it's a very complicated trade to me. I mean, I was completely wrong about Spencer Dinwiddie. I I mean, obviously, I'm a biased Colorado fan again, but I thought he was going to be a great fit in D.C. He just was not mm-hmm. a great fit at all. Apparently, he didn't no. get along with people there. He he yeah. said he tried to step up as a leader, and that was like kind of met with resistance. Not, not welcomed. So I think you have to give the Wizards credit for being able to uh, remedy that mistake. Um mm-hmm. I've been pretty low on Porzingis, but he's quietly had a nice season. I mean, the Mavs are, what, the fifth seed in the West? I think KP has a lot to do with that. So I was actually surprised that they moved on from him at that price. Um, You know, the Wizards also made a deal where they moved on from Montrez Harrell. So to me, you get out of Dinwiddie's contract, you bring in Porzingis, that actually helps the defense the Wizards to meet. And guys... What's been the de- Wizards' problem all these years? Defense, right, Ray? So right, I'm not right, saying right. KP's a stopper, but just adding some size, you know, it helps him a little bit. Beal's out the rest of the year. It's probably a lost season, but I, I think that the-, the Wizards have pieces in place here uh, to be interesting next year. I mean, mm-hmm. going into the draft in the-, the summer. And, you know, if they re-sign Beal, you know, I-, I do think they've got pieces. You know, I like Kuzma. I like KCP. I love Hachimura. Will all those three guys be back along with Bryant in the middle? I don't know, but I do think the Wizards have talent. So I definitely think they're interesting. Unfortunately, it's just another lost year for them uh, with the injuries. Yeah, and I also think they have shown a real propensity, you know, with the new management to be flexible. Yeah. To, you know, take deals and and maybe you say, oh, wow, you, saw, you traded for Russell Westbrook. Wow, that's confusing. And flip that and turn it into, you know, some level, some modicum of like real assets that are beneficial for you, at least for them. Uh, and I, I do think that, you know, Spencer Dinwiddie kind of having a terrible season, Davis Bertans kind of having a terrible season. Um, it's not, it's not the worst thing. I kind of understand where they're coming from. The bigger question mark for me is, is definitely on the Mav side where I'm wondering why do this now? In the sense that, kind of to your point, Chris Dapps had kind of been having more success in Dallas than he had had at any time up to this point. And so, Jared, I'll ask you this: Do you think? Do you think Luca just said, "Hey, can you get rid of this guy"? <laughs> that was the first thing I was going to bring up. Honestly, like, I was going to ask that too. Yeah. Dead serious. First, first thing was going to well, be well. well this kind of confirms some of the validity to the Luca KP problems. 
I feel like do we think does. Luke has earned that status yet? Like, do you think the no. Mavs are asking I mean, him yes. on for a personnel well, decision? No, but at the same way. time, Zion has earned the status where people think he might not sign the extension. So yeah, it's, it's just what it's the NBA at this not, point. It's not a question of like have they earned it. I think it's that they it's been given to them. Trey Young was putting pressure on Atlanta in his second year. I was about to that, say that, yeah, that's the Young, at this like, point. Have murmurs yeah. of. Right, he was he was like, I might ask out. We gotta win now, guys. We got our second year guy averaging We're twenty years old, but we need to be all in. Yeah, yeah, um, that, that's just that's just how it is at this point. Um, and I think as some far of as I was just gonna say, his, as far as the pieces the Mavs got back, they're both kind of reclamation projects that I could see working out, but maybe. it feels risky. But at the same time, KP's knees are risky, so it's kind of like a. <laughs> Which way do you want to take that? Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll get back to Luca in a second. But yeah, to, to sort of thinking about that. So I feel a little bit better about Davis than I do about Spencer. And in, in this way is that they have guys already who are first and second options in, in terms of, you know, dominating the ball. So in terms of, Spencer's skill set, I feel like he's a guy who, okay, if you space the floor and you give him the ball, he can get to the rim. And I do feel like they're going to put up a lot of points. I'm still confident in that. Um, And I think that's what they want. It seems like, you know, that's what they've managed to do. Where I I just wonder if if he's a little redundant with Jalen Brunson and Luka Doncic. Luka Doncic, I'm sorry. Um, Maybe, I mean, Davis is still a shooter. Uh, he, he can bounce back to some extent. He shot 40% last year on seven attempts per game. So he is playing, I don't know, 15 minutes a game right now, um, shooting 32%, maybe in a different role in a different city. It feels different. Um, I, I can't say they'll play any worse than they're already playing. I'll, well, I'll give them that. Ray, I, I feel like, let's just go big picture Mavericks for a second here. Okay. The way the team is constructed, I feel like now more than ever, this team is Luca and the Gats, right? It's like one great player, one great player surrounded by a bunch of role players. This is like the, the Harden. Remember that year between like after Dwight left, but before they got Chris Paul, it was basically just like Harden and a bunch of role guys. Like where's that team going? Like as good as Luca is, to me, this is like the type of team it is, is just a team that's going to make the playoffs and maybe they're good enough to win a round. But as we know, it's a Stars League. I think this this move is just sort of the first step in the Mavericks making a move to eventually try to get that second star. I think if they're being honest with their fans, like that's the goal here is eventually to find that second star to pair with Luka. You know, I think last I don't remember the exact time frame, but I think the idea was like, oh, we want to try to get Luca with Giannis. But of course, you know, Giannis That's not ends up realistic. Yeah, Giannis no. ends up winning, ends up re-signing, the rest is history. So they're gonna have to go to plan B. But you know, it's gonna be a big summer for the Mavs, but you know, there's they have to know themselves like this roster is not championship ready. Right. I think I think I do yeah. I pretty strongly agree that this was them trying to push up the timetable to find a new second star rather than wait out KP. Yeah. One of the things I think about for them though, is that K- 
can they do that accurately? Because they because <laughs> KP was a pretty big whiff. Uh, they yeah, traded no, a lot yeah, of assets, and, and and that that first that first shot is always your best one. It's going to be hard to. Well, really that's think. always been the big complaint from Mavericks fans is, you know, yeah, Cuban spends money, but has he ever actually gotten free agents? Like, he's been lying to himself all these years. Right. Is it like, are you just... cap space. Are, are you getting the the star that... I don't. I also, I wonder what... Um, there are a lot of stars in the league where their ideal pairings are pretty clear. Uh, LeBron no, led teams have been pretty clear in like what he wants to, he, what he needs around him. You know, uh, I think who like, the type of players that Jokic needs around him, I think also pretty clear. Uh, the same kind of true for a guy like James Harden. Um, I, I, I kind of wonder who is the other star that does fit with Luca. And, and who is going to bring them to a level where they're ready to compete for a championship. Well, maybe that's part of what this next, this the rest of this year and next year could be to, at least in some way, find out is what is that ideal fit? What should they be looking for? And obviously you don't want to have to burn 16 months to figure that out potentially, but at some point you knew KP wasn't it, so it... it it could really just be them searching. Yeah, I think I think they're going to need, like, a star-level big man. You know, like, if things go south in Minnesota, can you make a trade for Towns? You Anthony know, Davis? Right. Maybe, maybe you what take they, a swing on a guy, like, uh, making a deal with Golden State to get Wiseman. Like, I don't know, but they're going to have to be creative and get some type of athletic, talented big man. There's one, like, good option that comes to mind. DeAndre Ayton? Ooh. As a guy that maybe the Suns aren't willing to pay at this point in time, and they're looking at other center options and X, Y, Z. If you have enough of a package, and uh, you that can would replace make them better, you know, I think about Jalen Brunson as a guy who maybe, if you're the Suns and you kind of want to have like long-term security in your guard play, where you have Chris Paul for now, as long as he's healthy. For now, he's you know getting up there in age. If you can put together a package and you have the money and maybe uh, the picks, I don't I don't know what their pick situation is, but that's just something that came to mind. Is like maybe that fits. Um, another thing I think about: Does Luca need to get any better? I kind of feel like in a lot of this sort of these conversations, he kind of. He is absolved of all, uh, not all responsibility because it's his team, but I, I think there's a lot of scapegoating on, you know, this player can't shoot. Chris Tapps is soft, X, Y, Z. And at the same time, I feel like as, as good as Luca is, I also believe that he's one of those players that he's a star, but I feel like he, if he really focused if he applied himself it was if he was a little bit more efficient if he was a little bit uh help i don't want to say healthier because he's it's not like he's hurt on a regular basis but i think if you know i think Jokic came to a similar 
point in his career where that that's actually what he I was had say so is, much on his plate. Yeah, it's, it's wanna, very similar to in. the growth pattern I think we all wanted from Jokic that he's that he's successfully taken. He's got a he, the skills are there, the the on court vision and IQ is there. He there's there's a lot of the more ethereal like leadership, taking it serious night to night, yada yada yada, right. being willing, being to, in shape. Knowing, I mean, and I'm shape, not saying he's not when to in take shape. Over he plays and when a to lot. step back. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, he Jokic plays. needed to take over more. Luka probably right. needs to find his spots to step back more. But it's kind of the same principle. I, I think I think so. And I also – the most important thing that I think about for him is, like, at this point, you know you're going to have to play 40 minutes. You know that's just going to be likely. And – I know you're putting he's putting up great numbers on a night to night basis. He's leading his team to with um, you know, great regular season records and he's um ha- he's got highlights every night and you know, he, he had that dunk the other night. Uh, it was it was nice. It was cool to see. Great for him. I'm happy. Uh but at the same time, I think if he what if he was if he can take his body from like 95% top tier athlete to that extra three four five percent i think that's like that's the gap sometimes between a top 20 guy in the league and a top five guy um and and i would like to see you know this is his team now that's something i think about is is that there's no one else he can be like oh wow this other star that i don't have you know is, is this guy's messing up or that guy's messing up you know it's it's pretty much your show you got you got rid of the coach you don't like you got rid of the player you don't like i mean i don't know this this is (laughs) speculation to be fair but uh, i think it's uh it'll be interesting to see where he goes as a player especially coming from the background that he did where uh talking about players kind of being given it's and, and thinking more about that i hesitate to say that he was giving it to him in the sense that he came from so much success overseas. He came from so much hype in his background before he even stepped on an NBA court. Uh, that I think more, even maybe even more than a Zion, that he kind of maybe he did earn it to some extent, but he's got to like re up that earned ness. Right. Well, because what was NBA. it? A few days or a week before the draft, he won EuroLeague Finals MVP. Right, and he's had a lot of success in um, in the Olympics, in international basketball, and and so on. So, yeah, um, I'm interested to see where they go. Uh, to the extent that I don't want them, you know, I hope they. I don't see them as much of a threat to the Nuggets anyway. Where I feel like they just don't have the firepower as much, at least yeah. as of February 10th, 2022. Yeah, I think it's a, a fair point, Ray. I mean, he's he's already so good, but could he get 5% better? Yes. And I like the point you make about the body because, to me, it's not just about can he get a little bit more efficient. It's who's the guy we've compared his style of play to, right? It's James Harden. That, right. It's a very high usage percentage. So It's taxing. I'll give I'll give uh, Luca credit. Whenever they lose or he plays bad, he's always like, "Guys, it's on me." Like he's that's one part he's learned. But if you're mm-hmm. gonna play that style, 
you have to be in tip-top shape to make it through four rounds in the playoffs because what always happened to Harden? He always wore down. So, right. you know, if you're asking James straight up, he would probably tell you, well, oh, my teammates weren't quite good enough, so I had to do everything. Like, that's the vibe he gave off to me. I know he's not, not going to say it as bluntly as that. But no. I think I think with Luca, it's like you can be a great passer, but if you're always doing everything, how much room is there for other guys to grow? Because when he was out with the ankle and with COVID, that was what really gave time for Brunson to kind of show everybody how good he is. So mm-hmm. I think I, – I don't think I'm, like, breaking news here. This isn't, like, groundbreaking analysis, but, like, the best teams – their best players let other guys do stuff too, right? It's a little trust and empowerment. So, you know, if you look at the Bucks, like Giannis doesn't do everything. They have plenty of plays where it's like holiday initiating or Middleton ISO or like Middleton coming off a screen, you know. Or Bobby Portis. Right. Like Giannis is comfortable playing off the ball. Luca, he plays like Harden. He plays like Westbrook. He's just – He's not ever going to take those plays off or like go stand in the corner. It just, I don't know how viable that is long term, you know, and it doesn't matter what position you are. If you're, if you're doing everything, like we saw Jokic get worn down last season in the Sun series, he was, he was like, guys, to me, he was gassed at the end of the Blazers series. We just were able to hold on. But, you know, and that's, and he was taking it seriously last year with his body. So, yeah, Luca is definitely going to have to reach that final peak of just like, I'm in shape now to give them a realistic chance to be able to advance in the playoffs. Right. Well, and not yeah. everyone does. Yeah. That is what it is. I mean, it's, it's great for us because Jokic did and he found that at least it appears so far, he found that last 3%, the difference between Walter white and Jesse's formula, whatever, however you, whatever metaphor you want to make. <laughs> yeah. Like no, I feel you. That's a good that metaphor. Last, that last percent. He's not he putting chili it, powder and, and in it. It's great, right? But and it just happens. Not everyone does find that. A little less buric. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. So those are like the major trades I was hoping we could cover today. Uh, to run through uh, a couple others, real quick: the Celtics, Daniel Tice, Rockets, Dennis Schroeder, Enos Freedom Cantor. Uh, Bruno Fernando is are the Celtics better? Question mark. Well, more because of the other trade than the one you mentioned. But I just like that Brad Stevens said, "Screw you, Danny Ainge. I'm getting Daniel Tice back." <laughs> See, like that's my Bring guy. Him back. You know what? I think there's something to be said for that. You know, sometimes there's a player and a coach who just have like a very direct connection. You know, and, and yeah. It maybe means meaningful for them, and they are kind of on a roll right now. So, yeah. Uh, Peter, what did you think Tice? of it? In the now, sense of being he's... just thrown around the league the way he is? No, like now he's got to guard and beat Giannis in the playoffs again. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, he does. What did, like, uh, what did you, you think of the Derek guys. White price? Sorry? What did you think of the price for Derek White that the Celtics had to give up with basically Richardson, Langford, and a first, right? Yeah, I mean um, – they got a better player, so yeah. I don't know what those firsts are going to turn into. I mean, I guess it's pretty fair. Like, I don't think it was egregious. I don't think okay. it was like a steal, and I don't think it was like they overpaid. I thought it was pretty reasonable. It was appropriate. Um, yeah. You know, I think if Derek White is your second, third guard, he's a really good player. And 
You know, I yeah. don't know if he's going to start at point guard for them or if he's going to come off the bench because him and Smart are like similar talent level to me, even though they're kind of different players. It does. And it also maybe gives you like the if you wanted to move away from Marcus Smart, you could. Yeah. That kind of becomes an option. I like, so, I I mean, like I Derek think, White, though. I like that addition from Boston, unfortunately. And I, I, yeah, I feel like they're, they've realized that they need to raise their ceiling a bit more. You know, they've had some great teams in the past where they've right. had, you know, two and three and four, like, quote-unquote stars on the, on the roster, and that's not, it's not where they are right now. Right. It's not um, just quite – it's not quite just margin plays. They need to figure out a hey, couple different Hey, Ray, I, I've got pieces. sort of an abstract question for you real quick. Um, sure. Whenever a player gets moved that is, like, generally agreed upon that, like, people like that player or he's, like, high IQ or anything – do you mm-hmm. ever pause and go, wait a minute, if this guy's so good, why did the Spurs trade him? Or do you think it's simply about the draft assets for them? I think it's because of I all think the guards this, they have. Yeah, I oh, think sorry. the Spurs are Quick. one of the – there aren't that many teams that are like – Because Richardson's not that a long-term often, piece for them. No. Um, I think it's that they're willing to say – um that they they they've gotten the they've extracted the value that they're going to get from a guy yeah. where um they the would rather move on from a guy a year too soon than like two years too late ah the where maybe he yeah it's i think when it comes to sports the the person with the longest view in the room usually wins out yeah more or less um, and I think for the Spurs right now, where they kind of are in their process, they're not really – they're good. You know, they're coached well. They're developing the players that they do have well. They got some pieces. Um, and I think they just need to – and I think they know this. They just need to continue to kind of exchange value for more value and, and sort of continue to kind of raise your ceiling and hope – not hope, but I, I think their you know, management is going to be working on – looking at the draft and kind of seeing where the next star is going to come from. Cause I don't think they're counting. They're one of the few teams that I don't think is looking at free agency as like, Ooh, when are we going to get the next uh, Anthony right. Davis free agent? So um, yeah, I think I'm sure they'll make good use of that pick and I believe, uh, they, maybe they flip those assets. And yeah, I believe the Celtics, good. I believe the Celtics extended Richardson for a year. So I think he's got one more year on his deal. Maybe he gets moved this offseason because I just don't see why they would want him like moving forward. Yeah, I mean they could. Um and maybe he even maybe he even looks a little bit better under Pavic, and that kind yeah. of raises his value in a way that I think he's kind of taken some hits uh at pre- He was previous starting stops. to come around this year too, though. So Yeah. So I, I um, think it, the Spurs weren't the only team that was interested, it sounded like. So maybe they're banking on based on that interest they could move him again later down the line yeah i think most players love playing for the spurs because they definitely play a like share the ball style right you you don't have to worry about going to a team where you're gonna get you're never gonna touch the ball i think there was a lot of that uh with boston early in the season it's like i gotta get mine this isn't fun right yeah and you're gonna be if i don't jack up the shot right when i touch the ball i might get two tonight for the whole game pop's gonna respect you He's going to treat yeah. you like an adult. You know, he's not going to ask too much. He's going to, but he's going to expect that you do your job. Uh, and I think if you do your job, you not you'll everyone benefits kind of in 
in the Spurs way, uh, where you look better, your value gets better if you want to go somewhere else. Um, you'll you'll actually develop as a basketball player, which I think is not necessarily true at every uh, pit stop that players can make in this league. And uh, and you get to get coached by Greg Popovich, one of the greatest coaches of all time. I mean, yeah, I think there's something to be said for that. You know that um, maybe it's not the first draw. Uh, I don't. I don't know what the club life in Austin in, in, in um, San Antonio is like, but um, I think there are worse places to go for you know. Oh yeah, a short amount of time. It's not Utah, um, OKC. That's what half of them care about. Yeah, the uh, to run quickly through the last trade I might want to talk about uh, four team deal. The Kings, Detroit, the Clippers, the Bucks. Um, the main point, uh, Detroit getting Marvin Bagley. Do you feel like, uh, Peter, I'll start with you. Do you feel like Marvin Bagley is a good fit in Detroit? Do you feel like he helps them sort of mold into the future that they're looking for? Yeah, I think it's a perfect opportunity for him to get minutes. Um, I believe his deals up at the end of the year though so yeah maybe he's he the can... same class as Aiden so they're both extension mm. eligible yeah so if he plays well year. it's gonna be interesting to see what kind of deal they give him or if he comes back but at least he's now got what 20 to 25 games to to show to what audition. he can do in a, yeah. in a low pressure environment I mean he kind of had that when he was drafted but maybe he just didn't get on the right page yeah, coaching or that was in Sacramento <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, and there was also like the pressure of getting taken ahead of Luca, which was not his fault. That was Vladi's fault. Not but, his fault. You're right. Um, you know, I I liked him in college. I am actually still kind of shocked that his NBA career has been as bad as it's been. Um, mm-hmm. I guess he's a little thin for like being a true five, but he is a he's a good athlete and he's been playing harder lately. So you know, sometimes guys just need to change the scenery. And, you know, I was pretty vocal about being like, I don't think Cade is going to be a super duper star. I think it's going to be really good. I'm, I'm starting to change my mind. Like, Cade is really, really good. And he's a really good leader. So, you know, maybe this Detroit thing could turn around faster than, than we think. I'm not going to, like, sit here and predict in like, the playoffs or anything next year. But I think they could go from, like, being one of the worst teams in the league to being like on the level that Oklahoma City is this year, where if you guys really got like a young, underrated yeah. talents, like other than that one game where nobody played and they got blown out by Memphis, OKC's been like pretty competitive this competitive. year. Competitive, yeah, yeah, right. Like for a tanking team, they've been extremely competitive, and I think Detroit is starting to put some good pieces together. I like Cunningham. I like Bay. You know, Brant is not a bad player. I mean, people are all over the board on him, but he's just kind of like in a weird spot in his career and like is weird for their timeline. So I can see him getting moved. I could see him getting moved this summer, but if he wants to be there, I also see him being like, no, let's try to build something. So I think it was a good, like, low uh, stuff to give up. Yeah, exactly. Pistons are doing what they should. They're operating like a team that's not, you know, trying to win right now, but is is moving in that direction. So, well, and and as a flyer, if, if, like you said, Cade seems like he might be the real deal. And if, if you could like kind of level take level up into that competitive bad team next year, 
well, if Marvin Bagley as a flyer pans out for you, then maybe that puts you up another level and you're in like the eight, nine spot next year. And, and suddenly you feel real good about it. Maybe. And so, I mean, yeah. it's a worthwhile shot. I don't know. Watch out. The Kings, they've got <laughs> Dante DiVincenzo, Josh Jackson, and Trey Lyles. They're going hey, all in. Don't diss on the Kings. They seed. helped us out last night. They beat the Wolves. They did. They did. Shout out to the Kings for beating the Wolves, getting us a little bit of room, a little bit of freedom. That room. arena looked empty and sad for Demonis Sabonis's first game. Right? Yeah, but <laughs> that, that, I, that was my big observation. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I have, I have, I have some thoughts, but I'm curious. Do you feel like they're on the up and up, or, or do you feel like this is kind of just spinning their tires to some extent, Jared? Both at the same time. Spinning their tires, but moving up slightly. <laughs> slightly, it's like it's like you're going up the mountain and you're making it, but you're definitely mm-hmm. feeling those ice patches below you. Yeah, I feel like they're. Um, I actually really like the move. I mean, I, I, it's kind of reminds me of Portland. I in the respect sense that, like, it. They had a they had a glut of talent at one particular position, and I understand maybe you didn't get great penny on the dollar value. Right, for, right. For well, their and, guards. And, the the backlash for Tyrese Halliburton being the one that moved. Well, if that's the one everyone wanted, and you felt like you needed to make a move, I can it's understand it. Lock. I may not like it. I may not. It's like not a it, lot. I can understand that he gets tons better. It was my initial thought. You know, that's I know fair. he's played really well so far, um, but I think that's true. But I, and I also think that they gained something that they really didn't have, where their guard right, play right. I think is still going to be really good, and I think. Sabonis is more valuable than I think people are giving the Kings credit for. I, I think this trade really revealed a lot of people how how a lot of people feel about Fox and Sabonis, even more mm-hmm. than Halliburton, because kind of everyone was like, yeah, Halliburton's really good. But if you don't like Fox and you're like, well, then why the hell did you give up Halliburton? Or if you right. think Sabonis is wildly overrated. You know, I, I think that was revealed more out of this trade than than anything at least conversationally yeah peter uh you're uh, you want to chime in here yeah so i watched the whole game last night and i thought the kings looked 100 percent rejuvenated i mean i did that too. was yeah, like no i agree saying, with that um, my so arena guys, jokes aside i agree we'll have the kings we'll have oh kings. for Just sure a little bit no, I don't think you you can always look at a trade just as like numbers and salary. Sometimes it literally is vibe, right? It's like if things got stale or if things just aren't going well, sometimes you just need something to increase morale. And I don't know if you I guys saw, the saw that. Yeah, I was about, that's what I was about to say. Is like, did you guys <laughs> see that? Like, went viral. I mean, Fox, you could just was, tell, was like, like so happy to have like a running mate now. And, well, and mm-hmm. and if you're Fox and you're still only 25 or 24, 25, 26, I don't know his exact twenties. How how do you feel watching your team draft two point guards in the lottery back to back? Like, oh, right, this is how it's going. <laughs> yeah, no, my my initial reaction to the trade was pure confusion. Uh, but if I'm being a hundred percent honest. I'm like, not that people highly respect my basketball takes, but I'm not like super we high do. on Tyrese Halliburton. Like I, I mean, really? okay. I actually, it's not that I think he's bad. Don't get me wrong. I like his game and I think he's good. I just don't have a love affair the way everybody else seems to have with him. Like I think yeah, he's a nice player. Fair. You know, I would actually honestly put him on the level of like a Malcolm Brogdon level player. Good player, 
I don't think he's going to be an all-star. I could be wrong. Right. Uh, I just, I think, I think he's like base good. If you just look at like the Twitter reaction, I think <laughs> you would think that Tyrese Halliburton is like lock future all-star they caliber player. Right. Zion. right. And I, I think, right. you know, one thing I, I think people don't realize is that like, there are a lot of good guards in the league, you know, oh, but the talent pool for players, you know, under six, six who can shoot and, you know, at a high clip and, and score and pass. Like, that's a lot larger than seven-footers who are great ball handers and screeners and playmakers and sort of fulcrums for an offense. There aren't that many of those guys um, yeah. in, in contrast. I mean, what would you say DeBontis Sabonis is? 55% of Jokic? Is that being too generous or I don't. Too harsh? I don't know. And it, it's and really it's, hard to I, compare. I don't either. No, it's just a random number but and but it's still a, i'll put them still a in the same rare player lane yeah right where like Jokic is kind of one-on-one but they're i mean i mean i think i just think i think it's a good move it, yeah honestly I, for them i i straight up think that Demontis bonus is still the most underrated player in the nba like he's he's made the all-star team a couple times but let's be real like unless you're a pacers fan nobody watches the pacers nobody talks about right. the pacers and they haven't really been good as a whole, I don't think it's been on Sabonis in particular. I think their most of their talent has been concentrated at the center position, which is tough. Yeah, well, I'm and, and, and let's Malcolm be honest, guys. Brogdon like and Miles Turner fan, so I watched a lot of pieces. What is what is the main reason that we always complain about as Nuggets fans as like why Jokic doesn't get the love from every corner of the basketball universe is because he doesn't make athletic highlight plays. Well, guess what, Sabonis right. is similar in that way right he's not dunking on people's heads he can dunk he's mm-hmm. a good pass he's not making fancy passes he can pass not yet he does yeah. it, it's like you said right it's the not sexy stuff it's the setting a good screen making a ball handoff the, and a cut the like offensive rebounding last night the was swing really pass. impressive he's just a smart basketball player that at the end of the game you look up and he's got 25 and 14 and you're like right. man how did he do that but that impacts winning so if Fox is rejuvenated, if Mitchell has more runway to sort of be the second guard now, uh, Holiday, you know, is a good good two-way wing. And uh, you still got Harrison Barnes. The Kings are kind of far out of it. I think they're still like four games out of the 10 seed. But there's enough yeah. time here for them to 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 make some noise here and they're at a least lot give their fans something now. to cheer about, you know. And then mm-hmm. I think this is also a good period for them of like, Look, they, they got nothing to lose. They're just going to play hard now and have fun, and then they'll see what works and what doesn't, and then they'll kind of retool in the offseason because, you know, if your building blocks are Fox and Sabonis, there's teams that have worse top two players than that in the NBA. Yeah. I think that's a that's a fair take and a good kind of counterpoint. to It did start to feel like it turned into an overreaction. Uh, when the trade initially went, well, <laughs> I mean, I think the Kings have a certain reputation that, that they may too. have earned. The, yeah, that was definitely part of it. Uh, like, I'm and not good move you for the, the Pacers too. I, I thought it, it was trade still made plenty of sense for the Pacers. Yes, uh, there's um, there's one thing I kind of I've been thinking about, and it's not really about any one particular trade, but uh, I've been thinking a lot about this sort of market for big men. In how we, you know, in the NBA today, I think we are all living in a world of the Steph Curry's, of of the Rock, you know, a lot of 
like it's the era of small ball where teams have adopted this idea that you know we don't need a third center we don't even need a backup center we can just play power forwards at any big position available um maybe this is like maybe this is just me and i i, I have some bias i am a tall person relatively i play basketball you know uh as a as a tall person and i feel like there's been maybe like an over a little bit of an overreaction in in a way where i think teams especially this year are realizing in in peter i'm curious as to what you think of this are realizing that hey maybe having size on the court does have some value and I think in two ways where you need to be able to contend with seven footers who are going to be on the court, who are playable. Uh, but also in that, I think people missed that where the Warriors didn't necessarily have um, a true center, seven footer, 270 pound guy on the court at all times. They still had a lot of size on the floor or at every position, even outside of that, you know, they could still maintain a great defense because they had switchability. They had great perimeter defense, especially point of attack defense um, at the shooting guard, at the small forward, at the power forward positions. And I feel like a lot of teams are, I think maybe the pendulum is swinging the other way a little bit where, where teams are, are realizing that, hey, these things are actually important. You can't just play, 17 guards on your roster and, and get great value out of them. And I think it's just going to all work out because you can put up 170 points a game. There's only, you know, I feel like there are limitations to that. Maybe do you, do you feel like, am I off base um, or am I just kind of uh, caping, caping for the big man of the league? No, I'm, I'm in a hundred percent agreement. I mean, my big thing is always like when it comes to roster construction, it's all about balance, right? Because, you know, you were talking about Bradley Beal earlier. As good as a player as he is, if you trade him to Portland, him and Lillard wouldn't make sense to me because now you have two Not small tons. guards. Huh? Not tons, yeah. Yeah. So they do it's like a lot it, of the same things. Yeah, so – if you have two guys that are six, three and are quick and can shoot, and that's like 80% of your salary cap, what kind of money are you going to have left to have good enough bigs to contend with the real contenders in the West? You're just not going to. So yeah, I, this pendulum is starting to swing back. I think the prime example of this, and this hasn't really been talked about that much with this team, but look at the Memphis Grizzlies. They're freaking huge. They got yeah. Steven, Steven Adams. Cavs who are yeah. also huge. Great, great example in East. We can get to them next. But uh, so Stephen Adams is arguably the strongest player in the NBA, right? I mean, he's like seven feet tall, just sturdy as a rock. If you did like an Olympic, I would love to see like at the All-Star game, like Olympic lifts, like bench Strength press, contest. squats. Oh, man. Yeah, <laughs> that would be fun. Uh, I think he'd probably win it. It'd be fun until somebody gets hurt, right? Um, <laughs> yeah, but, uh, I mean, you know, don't, don't go too crazy, but... You know, you then, not you know Kevin Durant. You don't have to participate. You don't have to do the bench press. It's fine. Yeah, uh, and then at power forward, they start Jaron Jackson Jr., who's like six eleven, athletic freak, can actually shoot. I mean, 
this guy, he would be talked about so much more if if Memphis was a bigger market. Like this guy's going to be a superstar. Well, maybe not superstar, but like he's he's going to be an all star. I think they're on the up and up. Well, and, missing I mean, off I last like, year is probably a bigger part of that than anything. They're marketing yeah. really well. I actually think they yeah, market themselves do, really well so and how yeah. they um yeah. they have this and, uh deal, I think, where you can give your if you have another player's jersey, you can give it to the Grizzlies and they'll exchange it for a John Moran jersey. I think I that's thought that was hilarious. a promotion, like a promotional night. Oh, I heard about. well, I, I don't know. It could be a full time. I don't know thing. if it, I don't know if it's ongoing or if it's just one right. night, but that's a good one. Things though. like that. That's a good one. I think they're I think they're doing a good job of kind of uh, I don't know if I'm going to move to Memphis or anything, but you know, I think they're kind of becoming a little bit cooler than they were. Uh, but not to interrupt you. Um, so talking about sort of like adding more size and uh, the way Memphis has integrated Jaron Jackson and, and um, the way Cleveland as well, kind of having multiple bigs on the floor, um, it works. You know, I, I think people. I think you know, people. Teams forgot, fans forgot that like it matters. You know, have getting a rebound, it matters. Yeah. Um that just because you're seven feet tall doesn't mean you can't shoot the ball sometimes. Well, it, it's um, all about all these you sorts know, of things. Adam has always said, like the the playoff, it's all about what what can you solve? Like, can you solve the most problems? You know, and, and teams, what can't you do? Do teams have to adjust to you? And so my point with Memphis was gonna be. There's plenty of times this year when teams try to go small on them and they're just like, okay, who's going to guard Jaron Jackson? Your 6'6 guy playing power forward? Good luck. And they dominate teams on the glass. They dominate teams on the offensive glass and get a lot of easy buckets, putbacks, and just second opportunities. You know, it's a big part of basketball. Or draw a lot of fouls, I should say. Yeah, and so I think, you know, when the Nuggets are fully healthy one day, hopefully soon in the future (laughs) – hopefully they'll be good enough to where teams have to try to match up with us because if there's one criticism we've always had about Michael Malone is like he will often downshift to like and then when they, he gets asked about after the games like oh I wanted to match up with what they were doing well it's like well if you have to play Davon Reed or PJ Dozier at the four are you really I feel like you're kind Matching. of helping the team out by playing so small so I don't know I, I think you know, the good coaches, yeah, you can make adjustment, but it's like sometimes you just got to stick to your guns and play your guys and see if it works out. Mm-hmm. Because I don't know if you guys remember this, but one point that George Carl always made back in the day was he actually loved when he had uh, – actually, wow, this is going to like be the opposite of my point. But <laughs> he said that he, <laughs> he always had uh, – he liked when other teams had like guys that were bigger that would try to post up his little guy because he's like – now they're out of their offense, and it's going to be weird for that guy who doesn't normally post up to just post up every time. But I guess my point there was, like, he's he's throwing – he's not going to adjust. He's not going to put a bigger player in the game just to match mm-hmm. up. He's going to do the what he thinks is, is the best lineup for his team. Right, playing to your strengths. You know, those those George right. Carl teams, the great things about those teams is that if you tried to put out multiple bigs on the court – there was so many, like, there's so much off-ball movement and running and cutting. And, you know, you can't have a slow-footed guy out there like that. And and yeah. everybody, everyone was a shooter. Uh, and the putting so many, like, quick decision-makers and play, playmakers where I, I feel like 
I think you can do both. You can do either, I should say. I don't know if you can do both, but I think the important thing is having an identity and having dominating another team, imposing your will is oftentimes like playing to your own strengths, you know? And I think that's the important thing. And it's it's it is one of the one of the things that I hope the nuggets can kind of craft is that where I like with their starting unit when they're fully healthy in theory at the beginning of the year where you had Aaron Gordon and you had Michael Porter um, and Murray and Barton aren't tiny. Uh, you have a lot of length on the court, you know, you have a lot of size and floor spacing and playmaking because you have Nicole Jokic. So, you know, I, I think it's more like behind them is where there's questions. you know, start a little bit in terms of if you want, that starting unit to be your identity you got to get a few more you got to have a few more guys who kind of fit that mold uh is what i would yeah hope. well just to reiterate i really think that big picture small ball is something that can work for stretches like a lot of teams will have small ball bench units because they either mm-hmm. want to run the other team out of the gym or they just want to score a lot and tread water and that's fine right but if we go back to the Warriors and like where this whole phenomenon started, even Kerr and Draymond were on record as saying like, this is not viable to play like this all season. Draymond's going to get worn down. We can only do this for stretches. You know, maybe it'll be our closing lineup. We can switch stuff. Like, still be good on offense. But you don't, want, series, you don't want him taking that, that kind of pounding year round, right? Right. You don't want him right. guarding the Joel Embiid's and Nicole Jokic's of the world, 82 games a year. You need size right. on your roster. So, Jared, can we get some wings? I don't know. I mean, this... <laughs> how much is a 10-piece at Wingstop? <laughs> <laughs> I was just about to say that. <laughs> I don't know, but I hope it's, uh, I hope it's, it's at least a first-round pick. <laughs> Yeah. Our motto this yeah. wing At least this year is like no wings, no glory. Uh, well, I mean, and, I would take that's what I was saying pre pod is I don't I didn't notice a ton of wings get traded. No. Like we thought the teams Harrison that have Barnes them are move. like yeah, we want them. the teams that have them want them. Um so yeah, it's definitely one of the things I look at the draft this year and I'm like I wouldn't I mean I would mind a backup big because it is like a weakness for the team and if you feel like there's a guy who can um like if you've got like a Miles Turner kind of guy in the draft I don't I'm not a draft guy but if you can draft Miles Turner go ahead or but I also would mind just yeah you clearly have this gaping hole of like switchable especially behind Porter and Gordon especially Porter being a guy who has a very um questionable back um you could probably use a few more guys and and jeff green kind of being a guy who is 35 and sometimes he's going to play really well and sometimes he's going to play like he's 35 and he wants to go home and um you could use just does. use a little bit more length sorry because he probably does uh yeah i mean i think there <laughs> are some nights where jeff green is interesting to me because like yeah he has a lot of variance in his some nights he's feeling it and he's dunking the ball like crazy and he's, you know, showing you young whippersnappers how it's done. And yeah. some nights I am uh, pulling my hair out a little bit at, at how little 
physical impact he's having. Right. Uh, I, I don't need you to have huge numbers, but like, be a uh, in presence. Fairness, in fairness to him, I do feel like we have to point out this was not the plan. The plan was for him to play 14 to 16 minutes a game off the bench. Michael Porter Jr. got hurt. Yeah, but even when that, he was supposed to play center. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, yeah, I, I hope they kind of improve the length of the team. Um, did, uh, Peter, Jared, did you guys have any parting shots, uh, before we wrap? No, I think we covered most of what, what I wanted to get to at least. Yeah. Um, I I just wanted to go real quick on the, the Clippers Blazers trade where the Clippers sent out Bledsoe and they got back Covington and Norman Powell. Yeah, yeah, they did do that. They did get wings. They did get more length. I'm a little salty. Go ahead. So Go off, I, I thought it was weird because I'm like, why are the Clippers going in on this year when Kawhi's out and now Paul George is out? But I guess this is actually a long-term move too because Powell's under contract. So right. I'm kind of upset that they got better long-term. Um, Yeah, I mean, it just it's frustrating when – you know, I'm not going to say we have a cheap owner anymore because we the Nuggets did spend money in 09 when they had a good team, and it looks like they're going to spend now. Balmer He's is not like, spending like Balmer, though, yeah. Right. Balmer is straight up like the owner that any fan brings up. Like, this guy is just going to spend yeah. and spend and spend, does not give a shit about the tax at all. He's a fan it's first. Just like, yeah, he's, he's doing whatever it takes, and players see that. And so I'm just glad that he's not – the Lakers owner, because then you have a franchise that has tradition. Everybody wants to play there and they're spending all this money. But as we saw with them, not resigning Caruso last year, the Lakers have, you know, they don't always say money isn't an issue. So that really hurt right. them. Uh, if that was Balmer, it has Caruso would be a Laker. Um, so yeah, unfortunately the Clippers are going to be here to deal with for a long time. Yeah, uh, I think next year is going to be just as much of a bloodbath as this one, you know, in the similar way that I think a lot of teams are saying, okay, well, this year isn't going our way, exactly, but next year, oh, next year, okay, we're going to we're gonna kill it. So it should be interesting. <laughs> it should be fun. Uh, cool. So this has been Four Corners. I don't know the episode number, but we're in the 20s. We appreciate you watching, and as always, go Nuggets! <laughs>